Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good afternoon, good evening, good whatever, good whomever. I'm Alan Averill. Welcome to Agitator's Anonymous Podcast on a Tuesday, which means it's more rock and roll, heavy metal, etc. Music talk, music talk, something like that. And now, the last couple of Tuesdays, I've been basically uploading some of the old YouTube chats that were on my YouTube channel. Um, some of you may have heard them. Some of you may have not heard them. I think they're worthy to be uploaded and added to the general podcast um, infrastructure, whatever you want to call it. Um, but today's one is literally coming out the same day as the video cast which is part two of the Motorhead debate with Addy from Solstafir from Iceland, whose music, of course, it goes without saying, you should go and check out if for some reason you have not. Um, go and check it out. Addy, of course, has um, <clears throat> been one of my pillars of sanity during the uh, whole lockdown pandemic period and afterwards a, um, a good, how shall we call him, a sober judge of proceedings um, in 2022 and a good combatant, a good chat partner when it comes to all things rock and roll because the man does know his rock and roll and what is more rock and roll than we are motorhead, we are here to kick your ass, right? Right. Well, this is part two of the discussion with Adi and this one really deals with a motorhead, say, post-1990 um, <clears throat> which is a kind of different beast. This is, I suppose... We'll get down to it. The slightly less, um, you know, it's not the fast, steady, filthy fill classic lineup. It's a bit more uh, down tuned. It's just after uh, Motorhead. It's just after Let Me Move to L.A. Um, you know, and I think it's the 1990s was a sort of a wilderness time for a lot of bands. By the mid 90s, Maiden, Priest, all the kind of classic rock and metal bands were. Um, suffering a bit. You had the post-grunge years. Culture was moving in a different way. These bands were seen as a bit kind of like an anachronism, a bit old hat. Motorhead, um, I won't say they quite suffered from that, but certainly they weren't really due the respect yet. Lemmy had yet to become the cultural icon that he became, I think, as he moved into his 50s and we go into the 2000s. Um, 
much in the same way, I suppose, as King Diamond did or something like this. I suppose it's the uh, the post-guitar um, hero uh, world or whatever you want to call it. The pre-social media world, 1990s. Like I said, a lot of the older bands were f- a bit kind of, you know, a bit done by this stage uh, commercially. Motorhead, of course, never really reached the commercial heights of all of those other bands that I just mentioned. The Maidens, the, the Priests, etc. And there's some interesting... Um, observations in this podcast about some of the odd tours that they did back then and some of the touring partners they did and where they were on the bill and all that kind of stuff. And there are a lot of albums once we hit, let's say, about mid-90s, right up until the last album, Bad Magic. Um, It was just a routine. It was just um, what the band did when they weren't touring. They just got together and wrote. Um, Some good, some less so. I would say none of them are particularly bad, bad. But there are some less than memorable parts. And that's what we get into. So, um, Agitators Anonymous, this is like, I guess, the bonus episode. I won't call it episode 113 yet. That will be this Friday. Um, And I'll be at Hellfest this weekend in France. And hopefully going to record a couple of interesting interviews with whoever I might find to nab um, and have a little few interesting chats. As there's been a few of those missing lately from the podcast. Um, you can support the show on patreon.com slash Alan Averill for uh, as little as a dollar a month, I guess, things I don't really understand how the tiers work. And there's rehearsals, other discussions, and other podcasts and all sorts of stuff going on over there every month. All right, my friends, this is the second part of the great Motorhead debate, Born to Lose, with Addy from Solstafir. Uh-oh. No, no, no. There you go. That's the view we want. That's the fucking view. Nice shirt. Good album. Okay. I feel like I'm being a roadie here. <laughs> well, then you can look forward to a strong minimum wage. We're the road pro. Yeah. Well, road crew get paid. Sometimes I don't get paid for touring, so great. Yeah, we, I'm not going to get into that now, but that's... Oh, really? Sure. You're not going to get into, into that now? Let's talk about that now. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, it same, feels like there's, pre, there's provisions across the industry for everyone to get a minimum living wage, except musicians, the, the actual people without whom the entire industry would not exist. So everyone you're else... Set, you're set, you're not going to get into this. Okay, I won't. All right, uh, Motorhead. <laughs> so... So, refresh my memory. We right. left off where? We left off um, at the end of the 1980s, which would have been just before 1916 and March or Die. Now, I have Wikipedia open here, which has some pretty interesting stuff. So, we stopped um, at the end of 1989. Keep talking there for a moment. Well, I, uh, this is sort of my CD era, uh, and I don't have my CDs. Uh, I've got that. This is the last one. Great. We'll talk about that soon. Uh, and this is, uh, well, it's not an album, but uh, Keep talking. it's a release from, what year is that? 2005? This is... Uh, sort of uh, last lineup in their prime. 
Yeah, this is oh. CD. This is CD era for me, and that's how unprepared I was that I didn't go and get them. Now, just yeah, to fill I you don't in, even have mine. They're somewhere else. So, just to fill you in, um, they had a lot of court cases into the eighties, early nineties. Oh, let's what what court cases? Um, well, basically, they were trying to fire their management. It would seem. Oh, sort of internal, not yeah. They not moved, like Judas Priest or something. No, they they moved to from GWR Records to Epic which is a pretty big uh, jump. And this, I think this is, we said incorrectly, I think this is where Lemmy moves to LA. Gets new teeth. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, they started recording a new album in the last half of 1990, which turns out to be 19, 1916. 1916. They recorded it with three different drummers, it would, it would appear. No, 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 that's not, Filthy is on 1916. Only no, filthy. Hang on, let me have a look. You're talking about Mars to die. Uh, maybe so. Okay, so get your facts straight. Our they were hanging. They were sacking their hanging. Oof! Now come on. They were sacking their um, management, uh, sacking their producers, all sorts of stuff. Um, but yeah, this is 1916. Um, so the gap, the, the gap between rock and roll. And 1916 is what two, three years? No, three years. Yeah, three years. Three years. Okay, so they have. Yeah. Okay. Which appears. So this to be... is the, this is the return of Filthy. Yeah. And the. Oh, hang on, Filthy filth, plays on rock and roll. Filthy plays on rock and roll. No. Yeah, he does. I think. Yeah. No, no, he does. Well, he plays on the song Eat the Rich, that's for sure. Okay, let me have a look. Um, the band's second album for Jubilee was Rock and Roll, released on the 5th of December. Um, yeah, I mean, he's on the back of the record. You know, to Rock and Roll? Yeah. Am I, am I supposed to eat my hat here? or? I think he's on the back of the record. Okay. Okay, sorry. I'm out here taking a shit. Sorry. What does that mean? <laughs> I was just totally doing it in the wrong here. No, yeah, that's okay. right. Why did I think that Pete Gill was still there? Yeah, okay. Pete Gill's gone, you know, so. Oh, yeah, okay. So, okay. So, this is the same lineup on rock and roll as 1916. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay. I, think th I think this is... Um, this one was done, it was clear done in a fucking huge studio. Yeah. Um, come on, let's, come on, brain, let's fucking go. Yeah, they're recording this in, they're recording this in Los Angeles. Um, and just before this, the band's manager releases um, No Sleep at All without the band's wishes, and they fire him. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I think this is a pretty strong album, 1916. I really like the sound. Like it, they've they've got they've kind of got back. It's got a really huge drum sound. They've got back a bit of blues, like a bluesy swagger that they were gonna lose throughout the rest of the decade. But it's got yeah. you know, Ramones is fucking cool. Angel City's great. Going to Brazil is a, a classic song. I'm so bad, baby. I don't care. I mean, that's that's that's. There's a nice there's a nice the title track about uh, it's it could have been written about the you know Ukraine Russian thing. Yeah, the uh, young ma young man sent sent to death. Yeah, no doubt. It's um, yeah, it's Lemmy, Wizzo, Wurzel, and Filthy. I mean, it's um, 
Can you imagine the can you imagine the drugs these guys took? For this one in nineteen ninety? Yeah. I mean I'm I must admit I don't really like I get what's happening in the cover, but something about it I'm isn't I'm not really sure that I like that much. Maybe yeah, it's because they, I have maybe I, I, it's because I have a crappy CD of it and I don't own their vinyl of it. Yeah, I was late late into this album, sort of when when I sort of fell in love with Moderate. I didn't really like this. I don't know why, but uh, I like it today. Yeah, it's it it's a decent album. Sort of, uh, well, what's the weird song called? Uh, the the mm. no drums. Oh, the nightmare of the dream time. That's not a very good idea. I love that. Really? You don't like it? Not really. No. I I think it's just. Let me did this once in a while. Like really weird songs. Yeah. I love this. It's it's, it's he's going experimental there. Um. Yeah. It's kind of like I don't really want to talk politics with fame with footballers. You know what I mean? It's like okay, maybe that maybe that's unfair. It's just a bit too. I don't know. It's not really what I look for in Motorhead spoken word. I mean, maybe it, maybe he's been hanging around with Henry Rollins at the time and maybe he's decided uh, I'm going to do a little spoken word bit or something. Uh, I like it. It's uh, something different. I mean, uh, you know, we'll get back to it later because, you know, they, they did, of course, a lot of Motorhead, of course, sounds the same. Mm. So when they do something different, it really sticks out. Yeah. And for this album, they toured... They toured America um, with Judas Priest, Alice Cooper, Metal Church, and Dangerous Toys in Operation what, Rock and Roll. What, what is Dangerous Toys? Dangerous Toys is a kind of, uh, I suppose, heavy hair band from somewhere in the mid-America mid um, in the late 80s. Some people think it's a kind of classic band, kind of underlooked, under, you know, undiscovered gem, Dangerous Toys. Uh, I can't remember the singer's name. He's a pretty, pretty good singer. Anyway, yeah, it's worth checking out. Dangerous toys are still around. So, yeah, how, how, I mean, so of how big are they? We spoke about this. Why they didn't get Black Sabbath big or whatever? Uh, are they opening up for Judas Priest or? Yeah, oh uh, yeah, they're they're. I think I think of Dangerous Toys, Metal Church, Alice Cooper, and Judas Priest. I would say they're third on. I wouldn't say they're above Alice Cooper. I'd say it was Judas Priest, Alice Cooper at the top, Motorhead in the middle. Metal Church and Dangerous Toys. So, know. so, so, I mean, this album is uh, roughly 10 years after Ace of Spades, right? Yeah, 11. This, it says 1991 uh, on, the back, so what, on the back of the album. Where, where in the timeline did they peak? In what respect? Commercially? Uh, commercially, I mean, being on top of the bill. Oh, well, I mean, I, I don't think they were ever going to peak above a, a bill with Judas Priest and Alice Cooper on it. Realistically, I think they were always, if they went out supporting Alice Cooper, they were going to support Alice Cooper. I mean, don't forget, like in the mid 80s, Alice Cooper is having, you like fucking huge, huge number one hits. That's the, that, that's the Poison, Poison uh, era. Yeah, Alice all that Cooper. kind of crap. Yeah, the, the Kane Roberts era and all that stuff. I mean, the, yeah. you know, Alice Cooper is pretty big in 91. So, I mean, I don't think Motorhead could have expected to be anywhere other than. In but the they also field. they also I mean got the tour with uh, or they did some shows with uh, Metallica and Guns N' Roses early nineties. Mm. It doesn't, but, you know. Yeah, I mean they they weren't. I mean, look, I I wouldn't. I mean, how many copies this album sold? I don't know. I would have probably said million. Two, oh, a million. Not a million. I don't think so. No. Ooh, can you Google it up? 
and that you can't find those kind of things. It's just before SoundScan, but it's quite hard to find exact, precise record sales for it. I would have, I would have said the guts of half a million, maybe four hundred thousand, maybe. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, Slayer is bigger than Motorhead in nineteen ninety, and Slayer are Seasons in the Abyss is probably doing a million and a half. I can't see Motorhead doing a million copies. Okay. I would have said four hundred thousand, maybe, maybe five hundred thousand. I don't know. You know. So this is the last album of Wurzel, right? I guess it is actually, yeah. Um, Why does he he, he leaves the band? Well, let's He's not see. fired. Um, on March, let's have a look here. Um, on March 1992, Taylor's last engagement. Oh, that's the management. In the midst of its, the band were recording an album at Music Grinder Studios in the city's east part of Hollywood during the 1992 Los Angeles riots, which became March or Die. Phil Taylor Phil Taylor was fired because he did not learn the drum tracks on the song I Ain't No Nice Guy. Tommy Aldridge recorded most of the material, and Mickey D, who recorded Hellraiser, um, a yeah, song originally written drummers. Him. Yeah. But but it's, 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 what about Wurzel? It doesn't say why he left there? It doesn't say anything. And I realized I don't. I, and I, now I realize that I had March or Die on cassette when I was a kid. I never had that. I have that on a CD somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I never liked that album. Really? I it's. I, I think it's. Foggy. Let me see if I. It might be here. No. March or Die is the tenth studio album released by Motorhead. Um, I, I've got to say, like. <clears throat> This album has um, silence. This is good for a, a podcast. Um, oh. I mean, this well, album. This album has I, some of my favorite um, tone. I think. Okay. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll give the Hellraiser. Yeah. Mickey D drum that. Yeah, I mean, and the bass sound in Hellraiser, go, 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 go. Like Even the drum sound is great. I mean, that's a great, great, great song. Yeah, the snare sound. I mean, uh, he's a Mickey D is a great sounding drummer. It's a powerhouse drummer. Sure, you don't like sure. him? No, I, I like him. I just think, I think on this album, um, the, the, the taste more tasteful playing I think is by Tommy Aldridge. But I, I, I do think this March or Die sounds huge. I put it on the other day and I cranked it up loud. And when Stand comes in, I was struck by what a fucking gorgeous huge heavy bass tone i don't know why you put cat scratch fever second on the track listing doesn't make any sense put a cover second and um, bad religion pretty cool but it's um it's not it's not a great record i mean i think that it's um not. i, I mean, think 1916 is way better also the cover again is shit this sort of demo but but but, but, but but it must have been as you know uh he's firing filthy for like the fourth time or something yeah. Yeah, he fires him in the middle of it, yeah. Yeah, and Wurzel just left, so it's been a lot of turbulence. Yeah, and he's also in writing, the camp. He also writes uh, Mama, I'm Coming Home for Ozzy, which is a huge hit. Um, yeah. And he writes, Sells it to him. he writes some songs for, four songs on Ozzy's No More Tears record, which is huge. So, I mean, he's settling into you know um los angeles life and it's these two albums I, I you know i put them together and i don't think they're they're bad but certainly 1916 is a is, is a much better record as regards um songs and stuff i find i i, I think that um 
March or Die is, while sounding huge and sounding amazing. But not great album. No, it's not got great songs on it. No. But, you know, he, we'll go into it uh, later. But, you know, he would put, he would do a lot of covers. I mean, he would do Whiplash or God yeah. Save the Queen or yeah. David Bowie. So this is where they do some dates with Ozzy. Um, they do Metallica and Guns N' Roses, LA Coliseum. Um, oh, yeah. They tour Argentina and Brazil. They do a 92 tour of Europe with Saxon, which is interesting. Bombers Why is that interesting? Bombers and Eagles. Well, because 92, I think Saxon were yeah, yeah, down in really... terms of popularity. Mickey D joins at this point. So this is okay. the Mickey D, the sort of 92. This tour. The 90... tour after Martin died. Yeah. Um, 93 to 97 is Bastard Sacrifice and Overnight Sensation. So which of those do you have? Uh, I have Bastard or CD somewhere. Uh, I'm really poor here with, with physical copies. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's have a look at Bastards. Bastards. Um, it's a, what, it's a, Bastard is a really good album, though. Okay, let's have a look at that. On Your Feet or On Your Knees, Burner, Death or Glory, I Am The Sword, Born To Raise Hell, which is a fucking, again, you know, Don't Let Daddy Kiss Me, not very good, Bad Woman, not very good, Lost In The Ozone, I Don't Want Political Commentary, about the climate <laughs> from Lemmy, um, I'm Your Man, okay, Devils, and, you know, it's 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 a pretty the opening five songs are pretty fucking strong yeah. on this record. I think this is a better record than um, What do you think of why is that Don't Let Daddy Kiss Me? Why is it a best song? Um shitty lyrics. Is, is it the lyric of the song? Uh, shitty lyrics, just a kind of not a very good song. Um you know, I don't think Lemmy always hit the nerve with the lyrics. I I'm not really into sort of the sort of social commentary on sort of th certain things. Um, I just don't, don't think it really works for Motorhead. But yeah, I mean, well, hang on. Wurzel is, Wurzel is yeah. on this record. How, what? Yeah, Personnel, Lemmy, Phil Zoom Campbell, Michael Wurzel Burston, Mickey D. Oh, yeah. So hold on. Is Wurzel on Mars or Die? Yes, he is, yeah. Okay. Okay. So there you go. I I thought he was uh, left by then. And Born to Raise Hell is the is the kind of released November '94, is the um, kind of big. I guess that was a wrestling fucking thing, was it? Yeah, but it it was also in. Uh, oh, Airhead. Hellraiser, wasn't it? No, the movie. Hellraiser. No. Are you well, sure Born to Raise Hell. What's the. Uh, movie called airheads with adam sandler oh okay all right yeah so that's a massive hollywood movie sure yeah, yeah. i think born to raise hell it's in that one and let me even has a little small role in the movie right yeah yeah so yeah. let me sort of stepped into hollywood well he's living in l.a by then yeah so you know i guess it's it it helped making that song a uh, oh yeah even see. okay they re-recorded the song for the movie Airheads with Ice-T and Ugly Kid Joe, of which yeah. brain, that's a brain. Yeah. That's good. That was immediately designed to make me not listen to it. Um, yeah. But interestingly enough, in February, March 1994, Motorhead toured to the United States of Black Sabbath and Morbid Angel. And I think, really? yeah, and I think they opened 
before Morbid Angel. That's awkward, though. <laughs> Fucking right. And this is Black Sabbath, March 94. So this is Black Sabbath on Tony Martin Forbidden Era Black Sabbath, right, I think? So that's, a low, that's very much a low point Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. Although they... They then play in Buenos Aires with the Ramones in front of 50,000 people, which is crazy. But 1995, this is really interesting. Um, they go again on a second tour with Black Sabbath, but this time supported by Tiamat. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, hold on. So, you have Tiamat opening up for no Motorhead. And Black Sabbath, yeah, in Europe in 1995. I didn't know Tiamat were... Well, anyway, interesting. Yeah. There's a band who blew their fucking career. They were so fucking huge around the time of Wild Honey and Deeper. And yeah, if, they'd man if they'd managed it a bit better, um, they they should still be a big festival band. At yeah, the I end mean, Tiamat was a great, great band. It's huge yeah, yeah. albums. Yeah, yeah, they should be. But a couple of, uh, I mean, years of sort of playing shows that were just, anyway, we're not talking about Tiamat, but however. Then, you know, that's 1995. Um, so you have... These three albums are going to go together. Bastards, Sacrifice, and Overnight Sensation. I saw Motorhead actually in Marseille for Overnight Sensation in 1996. Sacrifice, sacrifice is way worse sounding album than Bastards. Yeah. This is I think, I think uh, the title track is good. Uh, the album is not that good. Wurzel is still on this. He's still there? Yeah, so this is Sacrifice, Sex and Death, Over Your Shoulder, War for War, Fate to Black, Dogface Boy, which is a pretty good song, All Gone to Hell, Make Him Blind, Don't Waste Your Time. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think the title track was so kind of, so good that a lot of people kind of gave the album a bit of a pass, but I don't, yeah, I don't know how good this album really is. 1995, SPV, Warner. But it, it's kind of there where the down-tuned guitars now, come in. Now we're, now we're talking. Yeah, this is the thing that you notice between 1991-92 and about 95-96. It's obvious that Lemmy is not singing the same way. And we start to get this down-tuned... They go down I think like they, a semitone that, or whatever. Phil Campbell, I think... I have a theory it's Phil Campbell writing that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mickey B. Yeah. And let me come in to sing it. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right. I think they start to click into a sort of routine here um, where they go to that same engineer for album after album after album recorded in L.A. And I think what it is is exactly that. Phil, who I don't think ever really had the songwriting chops, and he's oh. not a rock and roll guy, and there's way too many songs that are just... I know. Almost like a bad Pantera copycat. Bad thrash metal riffs, yeah, bad Pantera riffs. You know, I mean, there's not, there isn't the rock and roll finesse involved in the. There, you do, you very rarely get any harmony guitar riffs, a la but, old motor, old Lizzie. You know. You mentioned uh, the same producers. I think the last five or so yeah, are all the are same. By Cameron, that's Cameron Webb, I think. Yeah, but, but I think but he, the the two maybe sacrifices a diff, different one, and then uh, Bob Kulnick did one. Bob Kulnick. Bruce Kulnick. Okay. No, that's that's Bruce Bruce's brother. 
Interesting. Bob Kulnick is a is a producer, guitar player. He produced one album. Yeah. That one is kind of kind of good. But then the last sort of five albums are by Cameron Webb. Yeah, I mean it's just I get it. They settled into a a comfortable groove. Um, you know, they just kind of all they had to do is walk down the Sunset Strip. And I, I get the impression of what happened is what it sounds to me is like they didn't write any songs beforehand. Phil just oh, came man. over and they just jammed every day and went, oh, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Yeah. And just kind of wrote on the fly, you know? I, I remember uh, some interview that uh, Phil Campbell was talking about that him and Mickey D would be writing stuff and their yeah. main sort of goal was to come up with something with funky time changes so the old man would have a hard time playing it. Right, okay. So they were sort of, you know, this starts with this sacrifice... You know, it's a kind of yeah. The sacrifices are really weird, you know. time changing stuff, and doing all yeah. that stuff. And I think you know, like you say, there he's more into like down tuned, and new level Pantera wise riffs. I, I don't, don't know. Really I, fit. I, <clears throat> no, I really don't know if that's what he was being influenced by. I mean, some of it is also to do with Lemmy's voice. Um, I, I, I think maybe to make it easier, they tuned down it like a, a, a semitone or something like this. But it's also, it also, you're right, it is to do with the style of this chunky riffs. There's very few riffs that are rock and roll, sort of, there's, there's virtually like no Keith Richards in it anymore. Yeah, but, but then, you then again, you, you mentioned it. At this time, we're we like in 95 in the timeline, right? Yeah. Uh, he's, they're still playing, I mean, 80% of the, of the, of the shows, of, of the songs on the set list, are the 80s songs. He yeah, never yeah. tuned down for them. No. Well, maybe it's just a style of playing and maybe these songs aren't in a lower tuning. Maybe it's just the, that they sound they are. No, no I think I, th I think the songs are, the newer songs are at least down to C or mm. D. Yeah. Or D sharp. Yeah, because they were D sharp, I think, in the 80s, right? I don't know. Anyway, but it's I think also, they're E. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. It's also to do with I think it's just a, that guitar sound just became too heavy as well. Yeah, yeah. Drum it, sound yeah. became too heavy, you know. And but then but, get... but, then, but then again, I mean, not. I mean, this is mid nineties. Even yeah. Slayer did a fucking new metal album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most of the death metal bands didn't survive it. No, I mean, I, and, it or, was the, hard. Or, the, or the trash bands, yeah. Yeah, it was hard not to give in or be influenced. Yeah. Wow. And so in 1996, they did a touring the States 30 gigs with Belladonna, Joey Belladonna's band after Anthrax. Wow. Okay. So Belladonna's headlining? No, no, no. Supporting. So it's their own headline yeah. tour. I wonder how that went. Um, because it's before the big upturn in their, you know, career. Then we get this record, Overnight Sensation. Yeah. I saw Motorhead for this in Marseille in a venue. About uh, maybe a three thousand cap venue to about eight hundred people, nine hundred people. Yeah, it was cool. I think this album is better than. Well, maybe is it better than Sacrifice? I think it's better. It sounds better, but it's it's not. It's not a standout great album, but it's it's not bad. No, I don't believe a word. Eat the gun. Overnight sensation is a good song. Civil Love War, like money. Civil War. Civil Wars on this. Them not me. Murder show. Shake the world, listen to your heart. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's a, again, it's a solid six out of ten kind of record. Um, I don't really enjoy the cover of Lemmy with no mustache. No, it's very awkward. The whole thing, yeah, it's 
again SPV steam hammer. Um, okay. Can, yeah. Um, I was gonna write it. I was gonna write it down about uh, but I, because from ninety to late nineties, there's like three producers. But yeah, I think maybe it's uh, we are Motorhead are the first as the first album that Cameron Webb does because they kind of sound all similar. Yeah. This is the next album, Snake Bite Love. Um, um, like check this out. Check check this out. Mickey D was totally against the title of this album. Right. He didn't like having love in the title. <laughs> I yeah. I understand him. I'm with Mickey D. Also the the fucking the artwork is fucking terrible. It's just a fucking mess. Like what the fuck is that? And yeah, the, but and the no. logo you don't put Motorhead's logo sideways down the spine. But um, I'm pretty sure that s s some guy in some office got the job to design this fast. Yeah, I tried to listen to this this morning in the gym to prepare for this, and um, I, I was. I think it sounds better than the previous two records, if I'm not wrong. But it's not a bad album. It, it kind of again, it didn't really stick with me. Nothing really stuck out for me as like a great. Great song, you know. But you know, I, I gotta say, uh, "Snake by Love" is uh, a great song. It's very much almost like early '80s uh, rock and roll. Okay, yeah. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of sort of filthy animal stylish. Yeah. And uh, there's also this uh, assassin. Yeah, I see that. That's the fourth song. That's uh, he's trying a little bit again. Like I said. It's a little bit sort of out of the ordinary. Mm. It's um, so I think well, it has two really good songs. I mean, none of these albums are rubbish. No, no, I don't think none any of them. The, none of them are overkill or as spades. No, no. But, I um, mean, they're they're okay. They're they're kind of solidifying the legacy they don't i don't think they disappoint hardcore fans but they don't i don't i don't imagine them breaking them through to any more fans i think the scene kind of came back around to loving motorhead again at the end of the 90s like many bands like saxon like priest or whatever and they the mid let's say 93 94 to 2000 was like wilderness years for most heavy metal bands and i think but you're talking about you're talking about entering a new of new new metal yeah you're talking about yeah new metal and pretty much you know rock going off mtv Radio station play, the fallout yeah. from grunge, all this kind of stuff. There was no place. Look where Judas Priest were, Demolition and Jugulator, Maiden were on X Factor. Yeah, all exactly. This virtual Eleven. Slayer did new metal albums. Yeah, I mean, I, all those bands were in some sort of lost place. Anthrax, the same. And I think Motorhead were just quietly going about their business, making albums that were probably doing a hundred thousand, playing to you know three, four hundred people a night, maybe the odd five hundred people. Uh, maybe in the UK more, I don't know. But, um, yeah, nothing nothing too bad. I think then we get um, an upturn, though. We Are Motorhead, I listened to, again, also this morning, and enjoyed it way more than, you know, well, a, a little bit more than the previous three albums. Um, you know, so... It's, it's an okay album as well. I really yeah. like the title. The title track is... As much Motorhead as Motorhead can get. Yeah. It has riff, it has this, the uh, exact Apes of Spades uh, tempo. Yeah, they, they're uh, playing it. They're doing Ozfest just before that. Check this out. They they tour the UK with Group Dog Drill, Radiator, and Psycho Squad. 
what the fuck's that? I guess that's exactly what we were just talking about. An attempt to try and invite new, young, cool bands to make them look a bit different. I don't know. So the, the decade ends, 99, they record We Are More Dead in Germany. So that's an interesting break from being in LA. And maybe the album sounds better because of that. Um, is that Cam Sorry, is that Campbell Webb entering? or? That's a good point. Let's have a look. Um, recording. Artwork, Joe Patanio. One of my favorite pieces. Yeah, this is a better art, better artwork. Studio, Carol Studios, blah, blah, blah. The genre, heavy metal, according to Wikipedia. Um, oh. See me burning, slow dance, stay out of jail. The song We're Mel, Motorhead is cool. God save no, the this, queen, this is, this, is, this is Bob Kulik. Oh, yeah. So this is uh, the Bruce is, Kulik's brother, yeah. The engineer is Bill Cooper. So they're not yet to go to whatever. Cameron Webb. Yeah. yeah. Cameron Webb, yeah. So Bob Kulik managed to do a good album with Motorhead when he did. They only did this one. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, I mean, you've got the you know, what? What? Look, listen to this. Um, shows supported by Skin and Skunk and Nancy. Like what? Skew, Siskin, all these shitty bands from the late nineties. Um, Motorhead is sort of championing. It's very weird the bands that they were championing but they did do the monsters of the millennium this time supporting manowar and dio manowar headlining over dio and motorhead in oh. scandinavia yeah it's, it's 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 unimaginable to think today that someone would be uh having motorhead as their opening band yeah so in the uk everyone gets skin and skunk and nancy and in scandinavia they get dio and motor or manowar <laughs> <laughs> yeah Fuck you. What are we talking about? They, we are God Save the Queen. It's not bad as a cover on this one. Oh, no, it's good. You know? Then you get another album, another live album. But that, I mean, that's, you know, it's not it's not such a bad record. And then Hammered. Now, I had Hammered. I don't know where it is. Oh, no, we can't be. Don't, is it Hammered there or Motorizer? No, ha Hammered is the next one. Um, And so. Hammered, I like. I think it's a great album. Hammered was released. The band have a one-song performance. Triple H, okay. Um, they're supported by Goldblade and Pure. I'm not going to read out these more shitty band names. And um, Backyard Babies, who are all right. Oh, um, that's good. Yeah, well, for one show. Grass Pop, blah 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 blah. I probably should have read some of this, but you know. So the Hammered tour, okay. They do some dates with Anthrax, Skew, Siskin yeah. again. Rob, rubbish. Yeah. Um. So there was support on this tour with Biantrax. I wonder how well that did. I heard there were some poor, poor shows around this time. But um, and so three days, Phil Campbell had to miss Todd Youth. Todd Youth. Who's that? Todd Youth is from um, Warzone, Murphy's Law, and Danzig stood in for. Okay. Murphy's Interesting. Law. Wow. Okay. But, uh, I don't know if you ever listened to Murphy's Law. Hard, New York, I never, hardcore, I, hardcore. I, late, late I mean, I know the band, but I was never into it. Um, so they did this. They then toured the United States with Iron Maiden and Dio. Okay, so that's a that's a pretty big thing. Two thousand and three. Yeah. Um, and the UK tour with the Wild Hearts. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's. Pfft, I don't. I, these albums all kind of run into each other. Hammered. I remember buying it, and I can you can you can you read the uh, set list for uh, track lists of Hammered? I can indeed. Um, yeah, this is the kind of gold one. So this has... Walker Cookman. 
Yeah, I really like that. Great, great song. Mm. Down the Line, Brave New World, Voices from the There's War. The Brave New World is one of the better yeah. songs in the later 15 years. Mine, all mine, Shut Your Mouth, Kill the World, Dr. Love, No Remorse, Red Raw, Serial Killer. So, yeah, I like this album. Oh, and the album. bonus tracks, The Game. Okay, that's some wrestling thing, isn't it? That's some wrestling crap. I don't, I can't do that. No, no, I don't even want to talk about it. So then we have 2004, 2009, which is sort of, again, same kind of thing. Um, we've got Inferno. Oh, okay. That's Inferno. That's, you know, I bought this is thingy from the same era. Okay. This is from 2005, uh, States Right. I saw them here. When did Inferno come out? Inferno 2004. Yeah. So I see them live in Copenhagen in 2005. Really? This is the first album with Cameron Webb. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this is their best album since 1916. Eat your heart out. Think so? Inferno? Yeah. I mean, this is the, this is the similar, uh, of course, this is not Inferno, but this is similar. So Inferno is the best album. You know, yeah, in the, the name of in the name of tragedy is cool. Yeah, killers, whorehouse blues. Mm, um, yeah. So, Camel Web well, did a uh, did something good to them, and I I read even that Lemmy didn't want to work with anyone the last years except him. Yeah, well, so Lemmy's cause. I think that's because he just he was able to just walk down the end of the Sunset Strip and just go to the studio every day, kind of thing, right? I think yeah, it was, probably. It was, it, was a, it was partially convenience, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, you know, look, and I saw them. They were pretty. He was not, uh, by any sense, an old man when I saw him. In I, I don't know how old he is in two thousand and four. He's but, he's about fifty three or fifty four, and um, I think I think his fiftieth birthday was nineteen ninety nine, right? Where Phil Campbell played that fucking stupid guitar that looks like a cartoon. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, how we let him on the stage playing that? I mean, fucking hell! It's like yeah. drives me nuts. It's like well, you know, they they would be doing whorehouse blues with uh, Mickey D on guitar. Uh, Lemmy was really cool playing the uh, the harmonica. Mm. Uh, he was, you know, telling jokes and being a gentleman. He was great. So you know, at all on all eight cylinders. Yeah, yeah. So what, what album comes after Inferno? Kiss of Death. Now, here is where I'm a bit... I don't really know this album at all, I must admit. Do you know it? I mean, this is where they did it. They did a documentary for Channel 4, Live Fast, Die Old. I remember watching that at the time. I think this is around the time, 2005, where Motorhead's kind of longevity and kind of cult status begins to come back again. They've done VAC in a few times. And, like, the mainstream media is kind of talking about them a bit more as being this legendary classic band. And so I think the wilderness years of the 90s are a bit out. I imagine they're pulling more people. Yeah, I'm just looking at the, you know, they're playing here with Clutch. They're playing with In Flames, Mondo Generator, Bruza Uncles, Motley Crew. Um, but yeah, that it feels like they're they're kind of coming back the star, but I was coming back a bit as a. I mean, it 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 could have helped because Inferno was a great album. The sounded really good. Sure, but I. Did... And then of course. Kiss of Death is a little bit similar sounding. It, it's not completely different. Uh, I'm not sure. It's a nice album. I I'm not sure if the first song is great. Yeah, I don't really know this album at all. I do know that I do think though that 
these kind of albums sort of they're solid but they kind of don't matter that much for being standouts no, 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 no. In, in terms of in terms of motorhead their their cult status coming back in this kind of society societal yeah. like as a as a cultural icon lemmy is becoming this this sort of iconic figure you know and but, but and so then the again music matters less i think if i mean if you're going to say it's a good album it's a bad album i mean what are you comparing it to are you comparing this to Ace of Spades or mm. March or Die. I mean, Kiss of Death is a great album next to March or Die. One second. So we were on Kiss of Death into Motorizer. Oh, thank you very much. Kiss of Death into Motorizer. For some reason, I have to, I, I do have Motorizer. For some reason, I feel that this is a better album than Kiss of Death, but I'm, again... I'm not so sure, but I no, I'm not really that sure either. <sighs> but we, we, we can't, we, like we were saying, we can't say these albums are bad. No. But they're not masterpieces. No. And there, there's decent songs on them all, but there's also kind of uh, songs on them all. Yeah, it's... um. I mean, all of these albums sort of merge a bit into one for me in that you've got... Uh, I, I, I understand what was happening was that Lemmy just literally had a schedule. Tour, 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 tour. Time off. It's, it's not really time off. It's just basically L.A., writing yeah. L.A., make an album. Um, and they were. it sounds to me like they were literally just, as we said before, writing in the studio. Like just who's got a riff? I've got a riff, and there's too many songs. You know what I mean? Well, that's that's definitely like we spoke about uh, Phil Campbell. Yeah, but don't get me wrong. I feel like we haven't given Phil Campbell a credit. I like I like him. I think he's a good guitar player, but uh, um, yeah, but you know, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. It. I mean, did he ever? It's hard to say. Maybe that's unfair, as you say, to say, did he ever write a classic song? But sure, he wasn't in the band in the classic period, really, even though he's in. But, he's but playing we, on Orgasmatron, so, you know. We, we, yeah, we don't know. That's Lemmy's sort of thing. We don't, don't know who wrote what after Another Perfect Day. Because he was on every album after Another, Another Perfect Day. Okay, yeah, from Orgasmatron on, yeah. 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 So he, he could he, he could have written half of Orgasmatron. We don't know. Yeah, I mean he could have written half of um, Rock and Roll, which would have been fine. You would have got you know Stone Deaf in the USA or whatever. But it's it's it just feels like those once. Well, I think on, when you listen to 1916 and a song like I'm So Bad Baby I Don't Care, this has Stone Deaf in the USA. This has that dude. It has the yeah, rock and roll shuffle to it. But that rock and roll shuffle just gets kind of less and less and less on these albums. But, okay, but, but, okay. The older you get, you lose some of being reckless and wild. You mm. do. Even your testosterone goes lower. Mm. You become more at peace with things. You lose some greatness and, you know, I'm so bad, bad, bad baby, I don't care. You lose, these standards go a little bit down. Maybe this was uh, Phil Campbell sort of, Say you know, I, now I can start writing more songs since Lemmy is sort of slowing down. Lemmy, mm -hmm. he 
maybe. They did go down in style of sort of being the coolest motherfucker in the world. He became old, became a little bit ill. Well, I don't think I don't think we're quite at the illness stage yet. I mean, of course, they're slowing down. I I think personally, at this around this era, like late two thousands, where he's still in reasonable health. He's he's not. He maybe he's fifty eight, fifty seven, fifty. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm, okay, hold on. I'm not saying ill, ill, but he's not in 35. No, sure, but then again, he wasn't 35 when, you know, in the in 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 the early 90s. I just think it's it. I think it's more of a style thing. I think it's no, more of a musical, a, a musical style. I'm just like when I listen to those albums, like I said, there seems there's very few ha- guitar harmony riffs. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no Lizzie or old Motorhead. The guitar is too heavy, too dense. Like well, they were never much of a harmony band, really, with a uh, classic lineup was always just uh, one guitar. Sure. Well, I mean, but if you listen to it, just it's too chunky. There's never any. I, I agree. Interesting. There's too much Pantera in it. I, you know. yeah. yeah. Too much downstroking, damping, um, chunky riffs for me, you know, and that makes the albums all kind of sound a bit the same. I mean, it's not bad, but as you say, but like it's. Um, yeah. So. What we're talking about now is motorizer, right? Motorizer. Well, no, hang on. We've got, we've got, we've gone from motorizer to um, the world is yours, which, again, um, I didn't buy this record. What's your feeling about it? I gotta admit, uh, I'm not too much. <laughs> it's not too much in my system. No, well, that's why I asked you about it because it's not in mine uh, either. Let's see, world is yours. Is the twelfth studio album, um, you know, it's again Cameron. What's his name? Cameron Webb. Yeah, Born to Lose. I know you die. Get back in line. Devils in my head. Rock and roll music. Waiting for the snake. Brother of a man. Outlaw. I know what you need. Bye bye, bitch. Bye bye. Wow. Um, and I, again, I'm. I don't. A song on this doesn't really stand out to me as anything I'm really remember that well i mean i saw them in vacan for 2006 which was i think just before this i saw them in two, 2000 as well i think at vacan um gets good reviews but i don't know yeah. i mean um it doesn't really it doesn't really strike no it's it sort of i mean if you would have told me that this was an outtake album with outtakes from the last two three albums mm. i would have believed you yeah, but that, I mean, but, that, that a... but that's probably not too far from the truth, in that I would imagine there was riffs and there's ideas that are um, sure. stuck in the studio that they're just putting. But then, together. But, but then again, I would not believe that that uh, Inferno would have been that because Inferno is kind of fresh. Yeah, bit of a refresh. Oh, new producer, new sound, more yeah. energy. Yeah. Now we um, sort of. This and is how, the third Cameron Webb album, right? Yeah, and we're starting to get into, I think, Africa. when Lemmy's starting to feel his age, you know. Um, so, how, okay, how many do we have left? Aftershock two. and Bad Magic? Two, yeah. And so, uh, 2013, um, Modad about to embark on a European tour with Saxon, and the dates are postponed because Lemmy's health problems. Um, you know, to January 2014, Modet cancellation of February and March dates. Lemmy doesn't recover. Um, you know, and I think here is where you began to 
see oh. that he's really starting to, um, you know, he's ill. Yeah, he's ill. He's ill, and the records sound like that. I mean, they, it, I, I, it, to me, they even sound as if they're maybe even lower tuned than the mid '90s, late '90s stuff. I don't know if they I, are. I think. I mean, obviously, this is recorded with uh, as much comfort, yeah, as possible. Yeah, and and yeah. The, vo the vocals are really treated. They sound really treated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, probably just sentence for sentence, or even yeah, word yeah. for word, whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's not standing on his feet with his Rickenbacker drinking track Jack and Coke while singing it. Um, I, I, I would say he's probably sitting, but most likely still drinking Jack and Coke. But yeah, he's he, these records sound like, I mean, I think they're, I think they're actually, I mean, I, I enjoyed Bad Magic. I actually think it's pretty good. I mean, I, ha I have, I have, well, we have, we're not there yet, but we have. Yeah. We've uh, after, after shock. I mean, I mean, I think uh, I wrote it down. Coupe de France, Coupe de Grace. It's a nice song. Yeah. I think uh, Lost Woman Blues, it's nice, but yeah. it's uh, it sounds terrible to say this sentence is uh, a worst modern album because yeah. compared to what? I mean, compared yeah. to the, the new... Yeah. Limpiskid album or what? I, I mean, you've, what got, are... you, you've got to, you've, I mean, if it, when you're comparing a band's albums to each other, there has to be some form of best or worst. When I guess, yeah, I mean, Aftershock and Kiss of Death for me are records that don't really resonate much at all. I mean, I think the problem is that all these albums are kind of interchangeable with a pretty similar drum, guitar, and bass tone, yeah. which I understand because Lemmy's. You know he's not doing so well, and they're just going, "Okay, we're just going to bring him down yeah. from the sunset to the studio." I mean, see this here, e yeah. even this year, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. You cool. can even see that he's ill. Yeah, yeah, for sure, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Well, this is a kind of, but uh, this is an okay, kind of nice uh, exit album. Bad Magic is is better than the previous few. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Bad Magic has more of a rock and roll bluesy feel. Finally. It's got some yeah. better. It's got some better kind of blues shuffle to it here and there. This is only like seven years ago. Yeah, it's not. It's not that much when you think about it. No, no, not at all. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of, I understand the reasons why they fell into this kind of like routine, um, and because it's sort of suited Lemmy, and you've got this this engineer guy, and the albums are fine and everything, but hoping for a really you know, vibrant 1981 style bass tone and a, some some rock and roll kind of tones to everything was probably too much to ask, you know. Um, even even here, they're doing a cover, Sympathy for the Devil. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, here is now 2015. They start to cancel shows while they're happening. Um, yeah, and, and, and I mean, it, it saddens me to even... Uh, Refresh it the memory. Of, I mean, yeah. the, 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 a, the the worst train wreck was, of course, Glastonbury, Glastonbury thing. Oof, yeah. yeah, that was very yeah, hard. Yeah, felt to watch. bad. Felt bad. Yeah, that 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 was really. I mean, I I I admired the bravery to keep on playing through the pain and go. I'm going to die on my own terms. I'm not going to sit in a a fucking sit in my house yeah. uh, or sit on my balcony in the sun. And try, nope. you know, I'm going to go out on stage. I'm going to go out fighting. But it was hard to watch the bit at the end where he's playing the wrong song for Overkill, and it's clear. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You know, and, 
Yeah, the brain is just um, sending error signals. Yeah. 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 And it always kind of bugged me as, as well, the way that outside the rainbow, they put a statue of Lemmy, a kind of like, that was styled on his kind of ill physical appearance. Yeah. Why not? Old, yeah. Uh, Old Lemmy statue. Why not have a Lemmy statue from '82 or '81? I guess maybe it's, thing, it's not when he lived. He drank there, I guess. But another thing that Bor was, uh, kind of be became angry of. I think it was their last show in Germany or something. Yeah, they made uh, a live DVD out of it. Oh, yeah. Mo Motorhead last show, and he was so cancer sick. Yeah. You can see his bones. He was an old man dying. Yeah. And he was not, you know, he's just firing on two cylinders. Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to have that in the fucking shelves next to uh, Overkill and No Sleep Till Hammersmith. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I mean, it's a strange sort of epitaph in that terms, and it, it, we didn't need it. I thought, I thought the, um, the kind of when everybody his his burial. Uh, which was on YouTube, you know. I mean, that was more of a fitting epitaph to watch. I watched. I like that. that. That was a great, great thing to watch. Yeah, yeah. and Quinta. I was actually on tour when he died, like with Dread Sovereign, and oh. um, you know, I think the first thing that was done after he died was fucking chop out a line of speed. <laughs> of course, what else? Yeah. But yeah, um, which of course we don't do anymore. But um, speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, well. I do. I agree. I think that I admire that he went out on his own terms. It's just, I think those his own terms, unfortunately, turned into an awful lot of people with, you know, phones recording those last moments. Like, in, in a non-social media age, he could have maybe stepped off a bit more gracefully. But unfortunately, we all got to see that. He didn't want that. No. No. No, no. He didn't want to. I mean, he wondered maybe if he'd convalesced and gone to the desert for like six months and tried some treatment but then again he lived till 70 which is fucking crazy when you think about it how far he got you know i mean this is this is the guy that never went to rehab or no never took uh no never so i mean he you got admired he went out on his own terms and he did enough to be i think for to go and see them at the end and i saw one or two times at the end and you you were aware that yeah, he. I mean, there was one terrible one where they Vice magazine, I think, go and interview him to talk about his bass style, but they do it like when he's sick and he's can barely yeah. play properly, and he's trying to get his tone. And you're like, guys, what, do why haven't you done this but, but five maybe, years earlier? Maybe, you know, maybe because people knew he was dying. They were sort of, you know, okay, let's document Lemmy while he's still alive, and he was just sick. It's fine to document him, but trying to get him to play, and you could see his hands going, and it's yeah. like. Guys, but of course, you 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 did watch uh, the the documentary about Lemmy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. What did you think about that? I thought it was cool. I mean, I, I did notice they they Netflix cut out the scenes where he's in the tank. I think I rem if I'm not incorrect. Oh, they did. I think so. Yeah. Um. And now at the moment we have all these. You can see all these fucking journalists and all these red top shitty magazines trying to now that Lemmy's dead can't defend himself trying to call him a Nazi or, and all this kind of shit. Phil Campbell's had to try and come out and say, look, he fucking wasn't. You can plenty of video footage of him doing interviews saying exactly what he thought he about always, all of this. He always stuff. despised that. He, he yeah. spoke, you know, only two things he, uh, or not only, but he did talk a lot about hating uh, racism. Yeah. 
But uh, of um, course, we don't we don't need yeah. to say that. It's just it's just so common for nowadays. What gets the most clicks? Oh well, has anybody written a call? Let's call. Let me erase this story. All right, let's do that. Maybe get some clicks and but or a Nazi or whatever, you know. So, but it's I admire that he went out on his own terms, you know. And I mean, what can you you, you know? You can't really um, yeah. say much more than that. I mean, one thing I was so, saying. Yeah, but the, the the weird thing is that they're all gone. Yeah, all those all the, that band from eighty one. Yeah, you know, tres logos. They're all gone. Yeah, yeah. And they went out all basically together. Yeah, it's almost like almost like magical thing. Yeah, all in the same couple of years. Yeah. So let's go over this uh, before we end. Uh, what happened to Pete Gill? I think Pete Gill is still alive. I don't think he's dead. Yeah, um, but he didn't form a band. He, he didn't end up like Dave Grohl forming a super super band. Um, I don't think that was ever <laughs> in Pete Gill's, um, you know, wheelhouse. To you know, I mean, uh, you know, Fast Eddie went on to do Fast Way, who kind of tried to come back. Yeah, um, didn't su didn't succeed. No, really, their early albums were, you know, um, years active. Yeah, he age Phil Pete Gill is seventy. He retired, it would seem, in 1996. Okay. Um, oh, no, he, he... Yeah, there you go. He, Yeah, he hasn't played in like 12 years or something like that. So. Okay, so he's, he's an old man retired with Grace. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, Mickey D's with Scorpions. Yeah. He'll be doing that until he dies. That's fine. I imagine so, yeah. Uh, Wurzel is dead. Wurzel is dead, yeah. Uh, who else are we missing? Filthy Anyone Phil. else? Filthy Phil is dead, you know. Yeah, you know they are enough fast daddy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of cool. I'm following uh, some page on Instagram. Uh, someone has access to hundreds of classic motorhead photos. Oh yeah, like them all in super tight blue jeans with uh, white cowboy boots on a street in New York City. Yeah, like and and in top quality. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. The thing about Motorhead is that <clears throat> they were never once uncool. They were always no. cool. How the fuck did they manage that? To never have a... There's not, there isn't one band photo that you could look at and go, ugh. I mean, uh, there's a few, like I said, the few fucking Phil Campbell moments of like, get that guitar off you. Why are you wearing fucking Yeah, sports? yeah, sure, yeah. Don't well, wear fucking this kind of nonsense. But generally, well, well, they always look fucking cool, you know? What about battered, you know? What about ballet shoes and red hair? What about what? Ballet shoes and red hair. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I don't. I mean, I, 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 there wasn't. There isn't, as far as I can see, a band pick in another perfect day, and I don't remember. I haven't oh. seen many pictures surfacing. He probably know? had them all killed. The photographer Lemmy, but uh, Robo is still alive. I think he is. Yeah, I mean, looks like I, a, it look, sadly it looks like a bomb. I think. Yeah, I think so. I think here's a man who never quite got over 1985 or whatever and sort of, I think, just kept kept at the drinking and kept at the drugs, you know. I haven't heard of him doing anything. I think he, didn't he play with Skyclad in the early 90s at Dynamo Festival? They did a live cover of Emerald and he couldn't play properly or something. Is the, you know, I don't uh, know. I don't know. I don't think he's dead, though, is he? I don't think. We, we, we would have known that. Well, yeah. maybe. <laughs> maybe. Anyway, so we've gone over all the albums, all the uh, members. Yeah. 
the statue in uh, the rainbow. Mm. You, did you ever meet him? I I was in the rainbow one day um, years ago, maybe six years ago. No, it can't be six years ago. Fuck, it must be 10 years ago then. Um, oh, yeah, because we, yeah, it must be about 10 years ago. And we were at the, he was kind of sitting doing his um, game thing. And I was yeah, sitting maybe 10 yards away and it was maybe 4 or 5 p.m. And we kind of seemed to have mute, some mutual friends, people working behind the bar, a friend of mine. And she was like, oh, just go up and say hi to him. And then I sort of hummed and hawed about it, not wanting to kind of, because the bar was completely empty. There wasn't anybody, had other noise to kind of, you know, drown out where you could go, hey, how, blah, blah. It would have just been me walking up to him in an empty bar going, Should have hey. done it, man. Should have yeah, done it. And I didn't do it. And then some of, some of his mates came around and, and it all got too crazy yeah, and noisy. Yeah. And, and then I was like, uh, okay. But so I had about a 20-minute window where I should have just had the guts to do it. But I went, ah, look, I'll, I'll leave him alone. I'm sure to, maybe I'll meet him at a festival someday or something stupidly in my head. And I, I was just like, ah, it'll be fine. I'll meet him some other day. And then, of course, you know. I don't know, did you? No, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go over the list. I did, yes. uh, uh, yeah, I did uh, talk on Messenger with Fast Eddie, like oh, I yeah. told you. I yeah. tried to buy his guitar. He, he replied to me. I was like a 12-year-old girl watching the Beatles replying. <laughs> uh, I, I did eat breakfast uh, once at Sweden Rock with uh, Mickey D. Oh, yeah. He didn't eat breakfast with me. I ate breakfast with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw Dave Hill from Slade eating a sausage once. Yeah, and uh, I did meet uh, Phil Campbell, though. Uh, I was uh, drinking coffee somewhere in Europe. All of a sudden, Phil Campbell is standing next to me. And I stood up in my cowboy boots, like two meters tall. He's like a, I'm not going to say a midget size, but he's very short. Yeah. But uh, he was really cool. Yeah. Uh, and I was never close to let me. Oh, well. I'm lying here. I was close to him once. I was, uh, I had a photographer's uh, pass at, with full force in 1999. Okay. Or something. Yeah, yeah. And they were playing, and I was in the photographer pit, like two meters away from him, taking photos. Uh, all the photos were terrible because I was fucking wasted. <laughs> so I never met him, no. Yeah, yeah. That's my story of Motorhead. Yeah, it's not that neither of our stories are that exciting. I'm sure some <laughs> plenty of people have some really cool, um, you know, slightly more illuminating stories about meeting him. But yeah, I mean, would you call Motorhead one of your top five bands or top three or something? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I even got a fucking, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. That's fucking cool. So, uh, yeah, they are. I mean, I. It, if you ask you ask me on a Monday what's your favorite band, I would say Slayer. If you ask me on a Tuesday, I would say Motorhead. You ask me on a Wednesday, I would say Thin Lizzy. Yeah. So, yeah. so they're, they're in one, my uh, weekdays. Yeah, yeah. They're one of the days of the week. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, they'd be the yeah. same for me. You know, I mean, even though realistically, I haven't really loved uh, loved a record since Rock and Roll. I, I, I mean, I, I like the records after that um, to varying yeah, degrees. Yeah, but that's changed for me when I hear, you know, uh, Inferno is just so okay. far. Well, I must. I mean, but it does make me want to go and get some of the albums that I'm missing from the 2000s just out of kind of duty and honor, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to tell you another thing that's uh, funny about this here. 
on this here is <laughs> so there's a there's a sort of a commentary. Uh -oh. So you can watch this here, and they pop up like on the screen watching this. All oh, right. So they're sitting in a room watching Motorhead playing live. Yeah. And Lemmy is just telling stories about when he when he wrote the Capricorn uh, Metropolis lyrics and you know stories about Filthy Animal or Fast Eddie and so it's um this is really worth watching. All right. Okay. Are we done then? I suppose we are. We think we've done them all. I do, I mean I I do think uh, the gaps in our knowledge for the <laughs> for the last thirty years are probably pretty yeah. obvious to anybody watching this, but. You know, we. What can we do? I don't. I don't know every song of Kiss of Death or Motorizer. I'm afraid. You know, just wait until we do the Anthrax series. I will not know anything. If we get Anthrax, we have to get Joe from Gamma Bomb. He can defend everything. He's into it. But you yeah. would have to pay me six hundred thousand dollars to do anything about Anthrax. I can't stand Anthrax. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe in the comments, people can tell us what next we should do. Maybe Dio. Maybe Thin Lizzy. I could do Thin Lizzy. I'm not sure, sure about the other one. Anyway, we'll, we'll see about that. All right. All right. Number two. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.